For our scripture reading today, we are reading from Psalm 100. Would you stand in honor of God's word with me as we read aloud in unison these five verses of Psalm 100? Reading together. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Psalm 100 is my text for this morning. And before we study it together, let's bow in prayer. Father, I ask you to fill me with your spirit that I may speak your words and help us all to listen to you and to be not forgetful hearers, but doers of the work. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Thursday is Thanksgiving. How do you celebrate Thanksgiving? I'm sure you have some plans for that special day. We as Americans tend to look back to the pilgrims for the roots of our thanksgiving, and rightfully so, but the roots of thanksgiving go far beyond the pilgrims. Because thanksgiving was established by God for the people of Israel. The pilgrims were merely going to the Bible to find a custom that suited their circumstances. And Psalm 100, of all the psalms, is a psalm of thanksgiving. We've been studying the psalms in Wednesday night prayer meeting, and we have learned that the superscription of the psalms are not just part of your study Bible or added by an editor, but are part of the original text of Scripture. And so the superscription of Psalm 100 is a psalm for thanksgiving. This is the thanksgiving psalm. This psalm contains seven commands and three reasons for us to fulfill those commands. And if you want to know what I'm going to try to say today, in your bulletin today, you will find on the very back an outline. And sermon outlines are helpful if you're listening to a sermon because then you get some idea of when we're getting near the end. (laughs) Although I have a tendency to preach long in the first few points and then uh, skim fast on the end. But we'll see how that works out today. We can separate this psalm into the what of thanksgiving and the why of thanksgiving. And so the first command 
is make a joyful noise or shout joyfully to the Lord. The words translated joyful noise or shout joyfully is one word in the Hebrew. It is ruah. And I said it that way because it is a loud word. It's loud. And I am a loud guy. Just ask my wife. She's been working on me, trying to help me not to use my preaching voice in restaurants. But I am loud. I started out early uh, playing the trumpet. And it's interesting that this particular word, uh, joyful noise or shout joyfully, is used in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 16, where Joshua commanded the people that when they heard the sound of the trumpet, they should shout because the victory is ours And when they shouted, the walls came tumbling down. There are a lot of walls in our world that need to come down, amen? Walls of sin, of addiction, of prejudice, of hatred that need to come down. And our worship of God is not irrelevant to that. Because it is faith that wins the victory, and faith is stirred when we praise and glorify God. Now, I didn't bring my regular trumpet with me today. I brought uh, an Old Testament Bible trumpet. And uh, this is, when we say it's a horn, I mean, it's a horn. This once was part of two of them that were on the front of the head of a Yemenite ram. Okay, it's a Yemenite ram's horn. And I had the privilege of purchasing this in Israel. It's not plastic, it's a ram's horn. And all they did was make a little bit of a a mouthpiece in it. And this would have been the kind of horn that would have been blown by the people of Israel uh, there at Jericho when they blew the trumpet and then they shouted. Now, how many of you believe in obeying Scripture? Okay, some of you do. Okay, good. Uh, This is an imperative, it is a command, to shout joyfully, it is a matter of shouting. Now, all your life as a child, you were taught to behave and be quiet in church. And most of the time, it is good to be quiet. But this is a command to be loud, okay? So I'm going to help you obey this command. And you're going to yell something in Hebrew. How many of you know Hebrew? Actually, you already were saying a Hebrew word, alleluia, right? That's a Hebrew word. It means praise the Lord. Except we're going to say it another We're going to say hallelujah. Okay? Can you say that with me? Just try it. Hallelujah. Okay, now I want you to shout it. Are you ready? Hallelujah. All right. That's good. So I'm going to blow the horn. This is going to be kind of... The only place that Americans do this is athletic context. You know? We say, charge, you know? Or the, the, the roar of the crowd when the... The point is scored or whatever. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, so I'm going to blow the horn, and when I'm done, you're going to say hallelujah together. You ready? We're going to obey the Lord, right? Hallelujah! Okay. See, you've obeyed the Lord already. <laughs> this is good. Because when we read God's commands, and then we obey God's commands, then he gives us greater light, doesn't he? As we obey, we step forward in obedience. God 
gives us more grace. Now, who is it that is to shout joyfully to the Lord? It's all the earth. Made me think about us. How many of you old enough to remember this one? I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Yeah, but it's about Coke, isn't it? (laughs) One missionary was telling me wherever missionaries go in the world, Coke has gotten there first. It's just amazing. Uh, you wonder about this product, Coke, but it has, the advertising, people all over the world uh, spend their hard-earned money on Coke because we have taught the world to drink Coke. But someday every knee shall bow to Jesus. Every knee, every knee shall bow. I love Christmas and I love Christmas music, and we're about to start Christmas music, aren't we, David? Yeah. One of my favorites is joy to the world, the Lord has come. It's not just joy to Christians. It's not just joy to certain denominations. It is joy to the world, the Lord is come. Yes, the whole world is commanded to shout joyfully. I worked as an assistant pastor for a senior pastor one time who thought that unsaved people ought to tithe. He thought everybody ought to tithe. And his explanation was, they're breathing God's air. (laughs) You know? You think about it. Everyone has a blessing from God. We wouldn't exist without God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all ye lands. Why should we shout joyfully when we worship the Lord? Why should we get enthusiastic? Why should we get excited? Because a worship service is not a funeral. You would think so sometimes. No wonder some people think God is dead. They've been to some of these worship services. And it's like, ooh, you know. Yeah. No. Now, I'm not calling you to be a wild Pentecostal and jump and and, and all that kind of stuff, but I'll tell you what, we ought to get excited, and the next generation should know that we love the Lord with all of our hearts. Enthusiastic. I mean, why should people be more excited about a way too highly paid man running down a field with an oddly stitched together object made out of pigskin, and be so excited when he crosses a line, why should that be more exciting than the fact that two or three are gathered in his name and that the Lord God, creator and redeemer of all the earth, is in our midst? He's here. He's here. We ought to get excited. The second command here is serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord. The word serve here, the Hebrew word means to work for somebody else. How many of you ever work for somebody else? Yeah? And you hear all these advertisements on the radio. Start your own business. Don't work for other people. Work for yourself. Hey, how's that going? Yeah, you're going to work harder when you work for yourself. But this word means to work for somebody else. To serve as a slave or as a soldier 
God has called us to celebrate our thanksgiving not only with the enthusiasm of praise and worship, but with work, with service. And I see that here in so many ways. I saw people moving chairs this week. I saw people going to the Siloam missionary homes and blessing them with a Thanksgiving dinner. I saw people laboring to sell jewelry to support the fashion and compassion ministry. I see people packing their boxes and bringing them to be sent around the world. This is a church of people who serve the Lord, and they serve the Lord with gladness. Now, I think about Martha. She served the Lord. She was in the kitchen serving, but she wasn't serving with gladness. She was serving serving with grumbling and mumbling and finally with complaining. Lord, send Mary in here. Help me out. Maybe that's how you're going to feel a few minutes before, you know, the Thanksgiving dinner is served. I said to my wife, I said, yeah, a lot of people have off on Thanksgiving. She said, I don't have off. <laughs> going to work. I said, but you like all that cooking, don't you? Yeah, but it's work. It's work. Now, I help her clean up. That's my job. But there's work involved in serving the Lord. And we're to do it with gladness. I believe that's the key to going the distance. I was sharing with the missionaries at the Siloam Missionary Homes this past Thursday night. Uh, I've had the privilege of observing missionaries all my life. My life, uh, We had them in our home growing up and been involved with missionaries. I love missionaries. I respect missionaries. But I've observed them for many, many years, a lot of missionaries. And some of them make it, and some of them don't. And if there's any one mark of people who make it in ministry and people that don't make it in ministry is that the people that go the distance are the ones that have learned to serve the Lord with gladness. They have learned that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when we learn to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what our circumstances, God will bless us. I was going through a really bad time in my life. I was in all kinds of trouble at my previous church, and, and uh, I, I couldn't help it. I, I was whistling, and I'm a whistler. I don't know if there's any other whistlers here. We really annoy other people, but we enjoy it. <laughs> And I was walking through the building, I was whistling, and somebody said, how can you whistle at a time like this? And I had to say, I said, you know, if you hear me whistling, it's either because I'm happy or because I want to be. Because I have learned that I, I must rejoice in the Lord. Whether I can rejoice in my circumstances or not, I may not be able to, but I can always rejoice in the Lord because I can never lose him. He is always with me. And he is a wonderful Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then he says, come before him with joyful singing. And the command is come. And you've obeyed that command already today because you're here. One old lady couldn't hear. She couldn't see, but she came to church anyway. One of her relatives yelled at her. Mamie, why do you go to church? You don't get anything out of it. She yelled back, I go to show what side I'm on. (laughs) Maybe that's why you ought to go to church anyway. 
My father said to me, said, Dan, over the years of pastoral ministry, the people that you will come to appreciate are the ones that show up regularly. Yeah. Show up regularly. How many remember those regular attendance pins from Sunday school? Do you remember those? that would kind of come all the way down to your waist, you know what I mean? It was like, whoa. Regular attendance. I'll tell you what, being faithful, just showing up. Jesus said, come and see. Come and follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come where? Come before him. He is the audience. He is the audience. I hate to tell you, but you are not the most important person here today. Now, if I was an advertiser, advertising products, I would tell you that. I would say, oh, it's all about you. But you know what? Church isn't all about you. It is all about him. I love singing the doxology because we sing that to him. And we call upon the angels and all of creation to praise our God as rightly they do and should. I love Psalm 22 and verse 3. O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. I think of David Brown as a builder. He works all week planning to build a throne for the Lord. Because he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And I'll tell you, David Brown, he builds some great thrones, doesn't he? Enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Let's build a throne of praise for the Lord. Our praises are a throne for our God. The majesty and glory of your name. And we worship him. Now we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to encourage one another. And we sing testimony songs about what he has done for us. But our best songs are those that we sing to him because he is the audience and we are the performers. I don't think it's a good idea, this whole theater church deal. You know, where you go in the darkened theater and you sit in your theater seats and then there's these big, this big stage with all the stage lighting on it and here comes the performer all backed up by the recorded music and this star cavorts around and everybody applauds the star who was singing religious music like it's a show, you know? It's not a show. We're all on stage and he is the audience. And we sing and preach and praise for the applause of heaven alone. That is what we desire, is to please him. To please him. Come before him with joyful singing. I had one lawyer who attended our church uh, two churches ago, actually. He always used to show up just in time for the sermon. He could time it perfectly. He would just come in just before the sermon. And I said to him one day, I said, why is it that you always seem to get here just in time for the sermon? He says, well, I time it so I can get there just in time for the lecture, he says. Yeah, okay. You know, he was missing out a lot, missing out a lot. Now, some people don't like to sing, and some people aren't very good singers. That's true. But I'll tell you what, wherever you go, anywhere in the world, and you find Christians, believers in Christ, you will find them singing. 
They will sing in all kinds of ways. They will sing in all kinds of get-ups. Who knows what? But believers, true believers, everywhere in the world, they sing. Why? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. When we are filled with the Spirit, we praise God. It is something we do, no matter how we go about doing it. And then he says, the fourth thing I'm commanding to you is that you know something. You don't leave your brains at the door when you come to worship. There is an intellectual aspect of worship. And he mentions two things that we must know. First, we must know that the Lord himself is God. That the Lord himself is God. That the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the God of the New Testament church, the God who is in Christ, who died and rose again for us, is the one and only true God. And then secondly, that he is the creator. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. The Bible proclaims in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Frogs do not become princes. Macroevolution is a fairy tale, not science. It cannot be demonstrated. It is a fairy tale. It is a story made up by smart people to explain how all this came to be without a God who made us. But those who truly worship God do not believe that something just happened. We believe that God designed and created the world and designed and created us with purpose and meaning. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. And He is our Redeemer. We are His people and the sheep of his pasture. Hey, how'd that happen? Because the fact is that all we like sheep have gone astray. How do we end up being his sheep? We were our own sheep going our own way. Oh, Isaiah 53, 6 tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's how wandering sheep have become his sheep. Because God took the sin that was upon us and put it upon Jesus and He died in our place for our sins. Usually sheep give their lives for the shepherd when their time comes. And their meat to be eaten. But in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us that He is the good shepherd who gives His life for the sheep. The shepherd dies for the sheep. That's how wandering sheep like us become his sheep. Because he died in our place for us. The fifth command is enter. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I love that verse. When I was an assistant pastor... Senior pastor had that put right above the door entering the sanctuary of that church, Faith Bible Church in Elkridge, Maryland. When we redid our auditorium at Limerick Chapel, 
I said, there's only one thing that I personally want in this, this new uh, renovation is I want those words. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When Nehemiah came before the king, he said, I'd never been before him sad before. Why? Because when you enter a king's presence, you come in all cheerful. Happy. Kings don't like sad faces. We come in rejoicing in the Lord. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. What building is this that has gates and courts? It is the tabernacle of God. It is the temple of God. This was a psalm for the people of God of Israel. What was the tabernacle? What was the the temple? It was the palace of Israel's true king. The palace of the king. And we enter that palace of the king. The Jews did with praise and thanksgiving. We have the privilege as believers Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We, as the New Testament church, as we gather together, we are the temple of God. And so whether is it in our individual devotions, where through the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood, we come into the Holy of Holies to worship Him in our private worship in our closet, or whether we are gathered corporately as the church, We are coming into the very presence of God. And it is just as exciting and stupendous and and memorable as Jewish people traveling to Jerusalem, going to the temple, into its courts, and through its gates, there to meet with God. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. You see, thanksgiving is essential Go with me to Romans chapter 1. The passage of Scripture I'm about to read to you was banned from Canadian Gospel Radio. The government said they couldn't read this passage. They said that it was hate speech. Interesting. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Describing the condition of people in our world today, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. What happens when people don't give thanks? They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That is, they worship animals more than God. And they worship people more than God. What happens when they don't worship God and don't thank Him? Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men, 
committing indecent acts, and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. You say, Pastor, what's going on in our world today? Why is the news filled with so many unnatural, immoral, corruptible, all kinds of lustful things. What in the world is going on there, Pastor? Hey, it starts with an ungrateful heart. It starts with not being grateful that God made us male and female and that He created marriage. And we say, that's not good enough for me. I want alternatives. I want other options. I'm not grateful that God made me a man. I'm not grateful that God made me a woman. I'm not grateful for the blessings of marriage. I want to color outside the lines. I'm ungrateful. And when you are ungrateful for the way God made you and designed your life to operate by his word, then you end up with all of the sadness and confusion that exists in our world today. Some of us remember a day when we worshiped God in public school. Yeah. Yeah, we read the Bible every morning and we prayed in public school. And the boys knew they were boys and the girls knew they were girls in those days. They did. Now we have kicked God and the Bible out of our government schools and now we have so much confusion. So much confusion. Say, where did that come from? Neither were they grateful. This whole issue of gratefulness is incredibly important. It's not just a churchy thing. It's not just a religious thing. It's not just kind of an add-on to your life. It's not just a happy holiday feeling. It is essential to the morality of a nation that we be people who know how to thank God. But I'll tell you, they're mixed up in the public schools today. They're thanking the turkey. They're thanking the Indians, although they're not sure whether they should. You know, they're confused about all kinds of things. They don't know who to thank. Confusing. The sixth command, give thanks. Todah in the the Hebrew. Interestingly enough, this word in the Hebrew is never used of thanking anybody but God. It was not, you didn't thank each other using this word. This was a word for God alone. And strangely enough, in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 12 to 15, this word is used to describe the thank offering that was brought in gratefulness to the tabernacle and temple with the priests, and then you would eat this sacred meal in the tabernacle or temple precincts as a thank offering to God. The thanksgiving 
meal was a sacred meal in the presence of God to thank Him for His blessings. So it was natural that the pilgrims who believed that they were the new Israel, the people of God, who landed in the promised land called New England, and had suffered all the hardships of persecution in Europe and England, and finally came to America where they could have freedom. And they struggled in the days when they shared everything. And so many of them died and starved to death. And finally, they divided the property into individual pieces and allowed each one to work on their own land. They switched from socialism to capitalism. And that was the year, with the help of the Indians, they had that rich harvest. They gathered at the harvest meal, along with those Indians that had helped them, and they gave thanks to God. Let's have a todah, a thanksgiving, which was a sacred meal eaten in the presence of God to thank Him for His blessings. That is the basis of what we're going to do on Thursday. But many families don't even have a prayer. They don't stop to thank God. It's all about turkey and cranberry and football. And wait a minute. Why don't we spend some time thanking God? Now, people are all worried today about whether there's going to be political arguments and everybody's going to get mad at each other over the dinner and ruin their digestion and all those kind of things. Hey, why don't we just forget all the political wranglings and spend some time around the table thinking of individual things to especially thank God for, for his blessings in this previous year. Around the sacred meal where we enjoy God's blessings. The seventh command, bless his name. Why? Because the name of Jesus is the name that is above all names. They knew him as Jehovah in the Old Testament. We know him as Jesus in the New Testament. And we don't mind using his name in prayer. It's so sad when people don't use his name. They say, in the name of you who know what your name is, you know, or something like that. And they close their prayer in this kind of vague, general way that could be Muhammad, Buddha, or who knows what, you know. And it's just kind of very vague in general. I love it when people use the name of Jesus in prayer. Because unless you sign his name to that check, it's not going to get cashed. Okay? His is the name that God accepts. It is the name above every name. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how I got saved. And that's how you'll have every blessing God wants to give you is through the name of Jesus. There is no other name. Now, why should we give thanks? Three reasons. The Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I can already taste the dark meat and cranberry sauce. I like the cranberry sauce that has the little cranberries. You know what I'm talking about? And I like the dark meat. I usually try to make sure nobody else uh, wants the turkey leg, and then I head for that drumstick, you know? I, like, I can taste it. Can you taste it? Yeah, yeah, you can, in your mind, you can taste that. He says that's the way it is with the Lord. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. The Lord is more good than a Thanksgiving dinner. Taste and see. 
that the Lord is good. He is good. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. His creation was good. We are surrounded with the goodness of the Lord. No wonder our hearts should be full of thanksgiving. And then notice his loving kindness is everlasting. This is the Hebrew word hesed, or faithful love. I want to speak to the unmarried young people for just a moment. When somebody says to you, I love you, use your brain, okay? Start thinking about that point. What kind of love is this? Is this hesed? Is this faithful love? That's why they say nerds make good husbands, you know. They're more likely to find employment. They're more likely to, you know, uh, be there down the road, you know, and all that. I'll tell you, faithful love is something that is so valuable. And if you have a faithful husband, you have a faithful wife, you are so blessed because faithful love is a reflection of the character of God. It is faithful love is a love that keeps its promises. It is a love that follows through. A love that keeps its word no matter what it costs. And God has that kind of love for us. He is the one that will never leave us nor forsake us. And Lotus, his faithfulness is to all generations. I wonder how many generations it is since David wrote these words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many generations. God said he'd be faithful, Exodus 20, to thousands of generations. Here we are, 3,000 years later, after these words were penned, and we're still thanking the same Lord. We're still praising the same God. We are following what David said to do. And he said that God would be faithful to a thousand generations. In a changing world. In a digital world. In a world where even internal combustion engines will soon be a thing of the past. Yeah, a changing world. God is the unchangeable God. He is the faithful God. He remains the same. Our children need him. Our grandchildren need him. Our great-grandchildren will need him. Every believer will need him until the day when Jesus calls us home. I've had the privilege with my wife to participate in the baptisms of two of our teenage children. Grandchildren, rather. Grandchildren, yeah. And to see them choose to follow the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing to know the Lord. So what does God tell us in terms of how to celebrate Thanksgiving? He doesn't send us to Betty Crocker or to the Food Channel. He sends us to Psalm 100, where He commands us, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us 
these valuable instructions for how to observe thanksgiving in a way that pleases you. I pray that you'd give us the courage this Thursday to take time before or after that big meal to verbally sing and shout and praise you, to glorify your name and to thank you for your many blessings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Miles Satterfield is going to come to lead us in prayer. And after we uh, pray together, we'll sing God be with you till we meet again. If you need the words to that song, it's 602 in our hymn book. We'd love for you to join us as we sing that song before we go our way. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you once again to be in your house, to worship and praise you. It has indeed been good. You are our great creator, Lord, and we are your people. And you have blessed us so much beyond measure and given us hope for tomorrow. We thank you that we are now able to enjoy our new education building and give you all the glory for that. Thank you for the privilege for our church to participate in Operation Christmas Child. It was a joy to watch the young people and the children bring their gifts. May they experience the love of Jesus and the blessing of giving to those less fortunate around the world. Bless the boys and girls who receive these gifts. May it bring them joy and most of all bring a message of God's love and give them the greatest gift of all, knowing Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Let this Thanksgiving season remind us as Christians that we should be praising and worshiping you every day of our lives, not just on the one day, for the love and goodness you have shown us through the past year and through the days to come. Father, we lift up to you our mission of the day, Wake County Salvation Army. We thank you for this organization, Lord, and for the work that they do to donate to people that are less fortunate. And we just pray that you will bless them with the finance and the spiritual uh, ministry that they need. Go with us, Lord, as we leave your house. Help us to walk in your light and that people will see the love of Jesus in each of us. These things we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.